reason gravity falls creep into the not animated world this is the gravity bros podcast and it is finale time ladies and gentlemen whoa it's the end there's only two seasons don't ruin that creators let's just let something good be good and never touch it again please Well, I am sure that we will have plenty of time to talk about the future of Gravity Falls, the future of Gravity Bros. Um, I will tell everybody out of the gate, we are at least going to have one more episode of our show to follow this, just so that we can close the loop, look back, look forward, um, you know, talk about Journal 4, talk about all of the character points, tie all that stuff up. It's going to happen. But first, we are talking about the entire finale. That is Weird Mageddon Part 3, as it was released originally to the public as a full 45-ish minute special. And I guess if you watched it on Disney+, Plus, you're going to see that as Part 3 and Part 4. But for the effective purposes of today, it is one large finale, and we are talking about it from start to finish. Yes, indeed. And you know, just just to summarize, it's a pretty good finale, all things considered. You know, I remember leaving it for the first time, feeling like this is just one of the best finales ever. And I still had an amazing time. Um, But I think that I enjoyed watching it more when it was that original experience, when I had no expectations, and that I wasn't taking hardcore notes. Um, I, I agree with that in general. Um, I think that, sorry, I interrupted you. Please continue. No, I was just going to say that I think that I, uh, overanalyzed some of it to where it, it tends to be more enjoyable of a watch when you're just clear of expectations is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, but I, I, I think that the reason for that is partially, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts about how this finale was done. I think it probably... One of the things I love about Gravity Falls is how many small character moments there are that are very funny. And obviously it's the Mm -hmm. finale. I've got a lot of stuff to wrap up. So like, I'm not faulting them for this, but I think it felt actually less Gravity Fallsy because there were less moments like that because it was all based on getting the plot finished. Okay. I I think that they managed to still get some really good things in there. It wasn't void of them. You know, it was still there. Well, and after the, like, after the, the climax happened and they were doing, like, the, the closing moments, I feel like most of them were during that, you know? Okay, yeah. I mean, as we talk through, you may remember a few more than I thought might be there, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I think that the big takeaway for me, though, is despite any over-analysis, the stuff that was great was so great. And yeah. I do feel like this is a really, really worthy finale to what was a fantastic show. And I think finales are ridiculously hard to land well, and they I did think. as good of a job as anybody. Yeah, there's a few like really big things that I, I'm excited to talk about because they were some of my favorite parts. I agree. Right. All right. Well, let's jump right in then. Uh, Dipper, Mabel, Wendy, and Seuss charge into the mystery shack and find a group of apocalypse survivors. That is where we ended part two of Weird Mageddon. So let's talk about some of the eclectic characters that we see immediately in this apocalypse scene. You know, I I wrote down, I ended up writing down all of the ones that we see total, not just everybody in this first scene, uh, because there were a few that came in later that weren't in it. Yes. uh, There was, uh, let's see, the the multi-bear, the manitars, the gnomes, the unicorn, who never had a line, but it was funny that they were there. Yeah. Um, Toby Determined, uh, Rumble McSkirmish, 
some random children i noticed later yeah um fiddleford was there uh the golf people were there one particular french one yeah the lily puttyans yeah the, that's right do you know what that's based off of um, we talked about it a little bit because I didn't at the time, and then we learned, and I have since forgot again. Gull Gulliver's Travels. Ah, it is Gulliver's Travels. Okay, yes. I actually just read the Gulliver's Travels book, and that's how I learned that. Which I should have known anyway, because I've seen it referenced in so many things, but very funny. Um, nice. and then I wrote the pop stars. Oh, the, the, the boy band. Mabel's boy yeah. band. Several times. Yeah, I don't know why they were there, but I'll take it. <laughs> They were there for a great scene later on. Fair. I guess that is the why they were there. Uh, do you have more? I have more. If uh... That's all I saw. Okay. We also had the man who married a woodpecker. Oh, uh, yeah. I did write that one down. I forgot. I said woodpecker lover. <laughs> yeah. We have Grenda and Candy. Yes. Uh, Sheriff Blubs. Pacifica Northwest. Uh, a big tough guy that I don't remember, who I have to think was in, like, the tough person bar that we saw a couple times in the show. Oh, I didn't notice them. That's funny. Uh, it was mostly unnamed kids, but one of them was Gordy, who was stranded in uh, the pool area one episode. Oh, and it was also traumatized by the Summerween trickster. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't uh, notice that either. That's hilarious. And... Oh man! Oh yeah, then uh, Larry King's waxhead. Oh, how did I forget that? That he he actually had a couple lines. It's funny when we talked about the Larry King head in the wax episode way early on. We were talking about Journal Three, like that was the continuation, and I yeah. had totally forgotten he has. I guess you couldn't say a major role, but a relatively significant role in this finale for some ungodly yeah. reason. Honestly, I feel like for all of these side characters and extras we got, like him and Rumpel skirmish had the most like lines and screen presence they did and and it was fun it was weird choices but it was fun yeah so we have this group of townsfolk uh they are extremely disheveled they look like they're right out of the cast of the walking dead wow. and i would have said they look like they just went to a festival in oregon Sure. Did we say that Grunkle Stan is in there? Because this is the most significant part of the whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. The main character also happens to be there. Right. Dipper, Mabel, Seuss, and Wendy, they all rush to hug Stan and immediately are trying to figure out what's going on. And the group basically just says it's a long story. Uh, they're trying to ration food. Things don't look good. Larry King is eating Grenda's hair. Uh, it's a bit of a mess. Yep. Uh. And immediately, we don't waste too much time with this, a manatar sees an eye bat outside, slams the door, uh, and we kind of outside in a little scene, just, um, I guess, off screen in a way. Uh, one of the eye bats freezes a raccoon, and then we see a picture of Bill Cipher that's nailed to the tree with a big red X. What was the purpose of this? Uh, because I, I guess that we're getting Bill Cipher imagery <laughs> everywhere. But you mean the X? Yeah, like, who did this? Was it just oh. one of the people inside that decided to draw an X? It's like, we don't like this guy, and then went outside, left the safety of the shack, put it on a tree, and that's how it ends? Honestly, probably. <laughs> um, okay. I don't think there's any deeper meaning to it. Yeah, I guess they were just trying to show Bill imagery, remind yeah. us that he's there. But Bill is the villain. He's the, he's the, oh my god, he's the villain. Oh. <laughs> I can't that believe was... we've been skirting around that this whole time. 
It was always right there. Well, I'm glad that you got there on the finale. <laughs> Me too. Perfect timing. Uh, so Stan lights a match and welcomes Dipper and Mabel to what is considered normal around here. Uh, and we see that this is now the home base for all survivors of Weird Mageddon. Yep. Um, they ask Stan how this happened. He says that the sky started vomiting nightmares and he knew from AM radio that that must mean the end of the world. So yeah, that's a very funny joke. <laughs> is it? He, uh, he got to action. Um, apparently the totem pole outside the mystery shack came to life and attacked it, but immediately was warded off by the unicorn spell that was placed there by Dipper and Ford. So we see that that was still very effective. Uh, and that's kind of how Stan knew that this was a safe place. Now, and I just want to say, huge missed opportunity for the unicorn who was there to super sassily be like, you're welcome. Oh my gosh, you're right. They had the unicorn in the yeah. scene. I was literally not... waiting for it. I was like, oh, and here comes the... No? Are you serious? Was there that little of time? That would have been perfect. <laughs> Man, well, can you do your unicorn impression to uh, explain what that scene would have been like? That's right, next time you take mine, or you better say thank you. <laughs> well, I asked for two bleeps to increase my edit work, so appreciate that. Uh, but well done. <laughs> thank you for your contributions. Um, all right, good. Now that we have the correct character moment from the unicorn that should have been in the episode, uh, we can talk <laughs> about how old man McGucket, who you called Fiddleford, uh, both are true. Yeah. He led the group of stragglers through the forest when he found all of them. Very heroic for McGucket. Strong episode for him. He's lucky uh, he made it to the right place. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and Stan did let them in and elected himself de facto chief because the mayor has been frozen. So uh, their new plan, they're just going to keep eating until they die. And then eat and, the gnomes. Yeah, and then eat the gnomes before they die, hopefully. Uh but Dipper you, says, you mean after they die? You don't want to eat the... Oh, you mean eat the gnomes before the people die. I thought you meant eat the gnomes alive. I'm like, that's so messed up. Well, I mean, I'm not going to get into the actual, like, best way to cannibalize the gnomes, but I bet that if you really thought through the tastiest way to do it, there's a world. You should probably cook them. We know that they vomit rainbows, so they might taste like sugar. Yeah, I mean... They also might put you onto a psychedelic trip, honestly. That's fair. That might not be the worst thing, though. No, maybe not. I mean, if you can just keep that going until the end of the world, then... Might as well. Man, I don't know if this is good advice for the characters. I'm glad that they found another way out of the situation. Grunkle was ready. Yeah, he, he, was, he was. So that's the thing. Grunkle is so against any kind of way to actually solve this problem. Um, Dipper tells him the town needs saving. But Stan says, nah, it's better to stay because the fight is unwinnable. The other townsfolk are probably fine. And Honestly, like, it does look pretty unwinnable. It's to be fair. I mean, Dipper and Mabel had the opportunity, we talked about it, to just accept the alternate reality that they were given and yeah. not jump into action this way. So at this point, based on what they went through, they could have been in such a better situation and did not. I feel like it is not fair for Stan to say that, well, nah, we can't go at this point after what they went through. Those two need to commit to the sunk cost fallacy, but Stan's got it pretty good from his perspective. I mean, he is the leader. Uh, yeah. They have rations that will last a while. They'll be safe, but it doesn't seem like a very fulfilling life. I mean, again, after my, if my niece and nephew came over and they're like, we abandoned our last chance at any 
like actual happiness in this wild world that's been created by Bill Cipher. Uh, I don't think that I could sit there and be like, well, I actually think this is fine. <laughs> Sorry about that. I guess you're going to have to deal with this one instead. Yeah, I guess at a certain point you'd have to, you'd want to die trying. But in Stan's effort to try to uh, explain how okay the townsfolk are, he accidentally hits the remote control. And we see Chandra Jimenez, our reporter of Gravity Falls, reporting from Bill's hideout, which is pretty gutsy. Um, you know, reporters do really get into the thick of it sometimes, and it doesn't work out great for her. Cause Yeah, I feel bad for journalists that actually do stuff like that, because a lot of journalists have actually lost their lives from trying to cover really intense stuff. Yeah, that's true. And um, obviously, this is kind of being played for comedy, but there's a lot of peril here, because... It is a, like, uh, I, I was going to say a statue, but it is basically a giant, oh, how do I say this in a way that doesn't just sound horribly gross? A chair of people? That doesn't sound that gross. It sounds like something you'd find at a club in New York. <laughs> Fair. Uh, all of the people have just been, like, plumped together in their statue forms and turned into this giant throne for this wild triangle demon. And as Chandra is reporting on this, uh, Blubs and Pacifica, inside the room of survivors, they see their loved ones on TV. Blubs sees Durland, uh, yeah. which is super cute. because it's super sad. Yeah, he's so upset, and Pacifica sees her parents, and she says, they're bad, but they don't deserve this, and I kind of disagree. I also disagree. Glad we're on the same page. I was gonna say, if there's anybody villainous enough to actually have that fate, I think rich people ought to be the ones. Especially those rich people. I've gotta be very specific. They're pretty, pretty terrible. I'll be um, a little more broad. I think the act of hoarding wealth <laughs> is inherently unethical. Every time I try to, like, make something just a little bit more neutral to take the heat off, you're always like, no, let me double down on that, actually. Well, yeah, I don't want anybody to think that I'm I'm trying to pull back. Oh, I know you're good. not willing to say any real commentary, but I'm down. Hey, I've said some commentary. I'll go, I'll go a certain way <laughs> before I turn back, sir. Um, so Chandra Jimenez, she gets turned into the statue. Uh, and... Mabel and Dipper are using this scene that she reported on as motivation to rally the group. Ford told Dipper before he was gone that he knows Bill's secret weakness. So Dipper says, hey, we know this, or we could know it. If we can band together, rescue Ford, learn that weakness, we can save Gravity Falls. And again, Stan is like, no, we are safer inside and we cannot just take the mystery shack to Bill. But that gives McGucket an idea. I gotta say, bro, old man McGucket, Mr. Fiddleford, he is just, like, the hero of the show. Like, I underestimated. No. He has an actual, he has a legitimate anime arc during this, this this specific episode, everyone. He literally, Seuss shows him the ways of anime. Actually, we see him study anime. He literally has an anime arc. I agree, he's the hero. <laughs> it's true, and that scene is so good, which we'll it's get great. to. Um, back in Bill's lair, Ford gets unfrozen, and he finds himself in a dark living room with a Bill Cipher painting. It's a pretty awesome scene. It's like dark reds and very... Uh, it's very Twin Peaks. I think the, ooh. The, the piano playing thing, I think they were going for Twin Peaks vibes with that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, in comes Bill Cipher, 
who's singing. And I wish that we had gotten that entire villain song that got cut because that little piece was just spectacular. Yeah. I mean, you could tell that they they wanted another episode out of this. I, I, I don't want to say this feels rushed, but because it doesn't feel rushed. The pacing feels fine. It feels cut, though. It feels like stuff was cut out. You yeah, that I mean? they had ideas that they couldn't go all the way with, which is too bad. Yeah, and even smaller character, like, I'll bet they actually did put the unicorn in that scene with the intention of her having a sassy moment. You know what I, I mean? I bet you're right, actually, and they decided that that was just a scene that didn't need to be there. Yeah. It's too bad. Which is fair, like, if you gotta cut something, don't cut something that matters to the plot. But it is those little things that I would have loved to have seen. If there was, like, a, if there was like a director's cut, that was like, you know, an hour long, an hour and a half long. It was like a full length movie. I would have watched it for sure. 100%. Uh, Bill Cipher tells Ford that he is at the penthouse suite at the tip of Bill's nightmare pyramid. Uh, he says also that the couch he's sitting on is made from living human skin. Which was the, the, the one of the best things about this episode was just how much good last minute horror shots they get from Bill. I mean, Bill honestly makes this this finale so good because of the... If it wasn't for Bill, we wouldn't get so much sick imagery. And by sick, I mean, like, not just because it's cool, but also because it's very disturbed. Um, but also some of the best animation that Gravity Falls has comes from Bill's involvement. 100% agree. We get some great Bill moments. Uh, Ford tells Bill to quit the games, but Bill says he now controls space, matter, and time itself now that the time baby is gone. So, you know what doesn't make sense about that, though? What's that? Is if he's only controlling time within Gravity Falls, is he really even controlling time? Oh, that is interesting that he does. That's a good point. Uh, like, not how, much. How funny would it be if they, like, left and, like, 20 years had gone by in the real world? Yeah, I mean, what happens if... Bill never learns the secret, and all of the townsfolk just die without him knowing. Well, and then the whole just... world gets taken anyway, so. Oh, would they? Yeah, right? Because, wait, what do you mean Bill never learns the secret? Uh, like, because the whole thing in this episode is that Bill's trying to persuade Ford to let him into his mind so that he can learn whatever he needs to learn to break the barrier that is around the portal. Oh, I see you, yeah. And if that never happened and all the townsfolk died, Bill would just be stuck there in the bubble. All he would ever control is Gravity Falls and whatever, oh, I guess, shoot, presumably true. was within that time zone. So he actually wouldn't be that powerful. He'd probably figure it out eventually. Yeah, right. I guess so. I don't know. Maybe I guess if he, if he can control time and he has an unlimited amount of time. Oh, that's true, because he could just keep going back and never leave Ford alone until he finally got it, which is yeah. its own idea of torture. God. Uh, well, anyway, Bill says that he's already liberated the second dimension, and he's coming for the third dimension next, which I actually think is just a really fun little uh, thing that they threw in there, because he references, like, the flat zone, and it makes you really think about different dimensions past this one. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, it makes, you, it makes you think that if he does succeed here... He probably has fun for like two days and then tries to move up another dimension and just like it's an endless thing, you know? Oh, gosh, that's true. Um, well, anyway, he explains the whole barrier thing to Ford and how something's stopping him from escaping. Uh, and it turns out that Ford did study this magnetism years ago and he knows how to get rid of it, but obviously won't tell Bill. Um, Except he does tell Bill that he knows how to do it and won't tell him, which like... I get it. You needed to say it so the audience could know. But bro, what are you thinking? 
It is a little bit within the character of Ford to do something stupid like this. Yeah, like, well, of course I know the explanation. I did all this research, huh? But I'll never tell you, Bill. It's like Actually, we sort of get a good picture in this episode of just how big of an ego Ford actually has. But it's one of those really subtle ones where he doesn't like to admit it. But it's totally there. We'll, we'll get to that moment. I know what you're talking about. Okay, good. Um, So, Bill's trying to negotiate his way in as if Ford is going to buy this. And he's like, listen, I'm going to make the world so fun. It's going to have no restrictions, no laws. You know, I'm going to basically terrorize everybody and I can make you a God. All you have to do is help me. And uh, of course, Yo, low key, not the worst offer I've ever seen. Interesting. Do you think you would have taken it? If I was Grunkle Stan and you were Ford. If we, if I didn't have kids, probably. Oh, okay. Interesting. So you would, the moral compass for you stops at your own kids or the nephews in this situation, Dipper and Mabel. Maybe, but if my kids were already killed, I'd probably still do it. <laughs> huh. All right, I mean, maybe at that point you can find a new way to save them, but I feel like then you're playing with some risky territory. And we know that Bill is never really good for his deals anyway, so it would be hard to imagine that he would properly follow through on whatever this is. Maybe he would in some weird way. Yeah, um, see, that's the thing. Like, at, at that point, like, after I've already fought him so many times, I would probably, like, it, it's the kind, he's the kind of villain that you need to just kind of get on board and never waver from the beginning, or he's just going to mess with you. You know what I true. mean? So, like, I, at that point, I feel like, nah, man, you're not going to actually own up on that deal. Why should I believe you? You know? Yeah. Uh, but Bill has to follow rules, and one of those rules happens to be that he can't get into Ford's head unless they shake hands. And he has to agree to shake hands, basically. Um, and no, but what if you tricked Bill, had him make you a god by a, like, a really well-done deal, and then with your god powers, you defeat him? Then you win, and you get to keep your god powers. I think that could make sense. You could potentially outsmart him that way. That's hmm. what I'd try to do. Probably wouldn't work, but that's what I'd go for. It's a tough one because you would have to assume that you were able to at least get enough power to even have that be a possibility. You think that Bill would probably think his way around that. Yeah, I'd be like, so before shaking your hand, what exactly are the powers that you're going to give me? Let's write out a contract and I'll analyze it real quick. <laughs> True. Um, you know, what's weird is I do think that Bill more or less will honor the deal, but it'll always be like with a contingency. So you might be able to outsmart your way around it. It's possible. Yeah, you, you might be able to write the best contract ever if you, like, spent, be like, all right, Bill, there's no time here. Let's spend a month working on a contract. See if you uh, can, like, true. tire him out from it. But Ford does not go that route. He just says no, uh, and Bill basically starts torturing him. Um, yep. Ford sees himself with a blue noose around his neck in the reflection of Bill's big eye as we move to the next scene. Yeah, which uh, is he's pretty gruesome. I was impressed. Good job, Disney. It is, and there's more gruesome stuff that comes. Uh, so back at the mystery shack, McGucket pulls out some blueprints and this is where, uh, Seuss basically tells him, if you watch some anime, you're going to be good to go. Uh, yeah. and uh, we need to turn the gravity falls shack into a mech anime. That's what we need to do. We 100%. need mobile suit Gundam in this right now. And this is Seuss. how we're going to do it. Seuss, uh, nice job here, by the way. Uh, underrated because Seuss, in a way, was a big part of this. Without him, right. we might not have gone that route. Mobile Seuss Gundam, am I right? 
Oh, they got him, ladies and gentlemen. Good job. Good job. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I am actually very proud of that joke. Uh, but everybody else is hyped except for Stan, who says the blueprints are a bunch of crap and you need to find idiots to build it. But Mabel says, that's okay. We are those idiots. And that's when the montage starts of them starting to enact this plan and starting to build something. Um, as the mystery shack is being destroyed for parts and Grunkle Stan is in anguish. We also see them free the frozen dinosaur uh, from a previous episode and yep. a little scene of Seuss showing anime to old man McGucket, which is yeah. very cute. Which will uh, foreshadow for how the dinosaur gets involved, everybody. I feel like those dinosaurs are not living anymore, but that's beside the point. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't think about that until right now. Did yeah. they kill a dinosaur? Probably two. Ooh. I think they um, killed the Loch Ness Monster as well, assuming that no, that wasn't a mechanical head. I think that was the actual mechanical head and not the real thing, but... Well, they used I'm, the real T-Rex, so I don't see why they didn't. Oh, no. Well, because they already had the Gobblewonker, presumably, because it was McGuckin's oh, that's originally. True. That's true. Fair. Um. Well, in the end, after this montage, we see a flag wave that says take back the falls as the survivors of this apocalypse sit around the campfire in apocalypse sweaters knitted by mabel very cute sweaters and a cute scene the color that emulates from everybody because of those sweaters genuinely is like a really cool piece of animation there yeah and we see pacifica sitting there in the cold and she's like i won't wear the sweater and then mabel looks at her she's like fine i'll wear the sweater it's like jesus pacifica didn't you have an arc she kind of, it feels <laughs> like they loosely try to close up Pacifica's arc here, but don't really have enough time. Yeah, uh, they didn't, a they didn't little... fully land it. It's okay, though. She she had her arc wrapped up already. She kind of did, and she gets more character moments than anybody just because of uh, them needing to kind of wrap some stuff up. Um, yeah. And important note, that sweater that Mabel gives her has a llama on it. Yeah, it's important because reasons. It will be. Uh, I have one big criticism that I feel like a lot of the fandom would disagree with me on, but we'll get to that. Okay, I already feel like I maybe know what you're talking about. You might, you might. uh, (laughs) Mabel feels like they can beat Bill. And Dipper says the only 13th birthday present he wants is to live to see my 13th birthday, which is fair. Uh, That's a good, that's a good present. Yeah. Seuss says this town will throw in the best party ever when they win. And uh, they should. (laughs) <laughs> they really should, after everything that they have gone through to save this town and the world. Right? Yeah, he gets to do whatever he wants for a day. <laughs> but meanwhile, while everybody's enjoying their time around the campfire, Grunkle Stan is just quietly grumbling rants to Shmebulok the gnome about everyone's lack of respect for him as their chief. Shmebulok. Dipper and Mabel approach and ask what's up, and Stan is upset about the plan to save his brother, because Stan already saved him once from the portal and never got thanked. Still holding on to that, my brother never thanked me after everything I did. And like, look, I know that it makes sense for his character because we've been like shown that he's hella stubborn and all that, but yo, the world is literally ending around you. Maybe just like put it down for a minute, you know? Yeah. Maybe now's not the time, Stan. I hate to say it. It's okay. He never faces any consequences for his actions, so we don't have to worry about it. True. Dipper says, heroes don't hide in the mystery shack. And Stan says, well, maybe if Ford had hidden, he may not have been captured. Uh, which is kind of true, but uh, 
I I still feel like um, you got to get out there and do this at this point. And yeah, technically Mabel got captured too. True. The funny thing <laughs> to me about this is that Mabel listens to this tension and she's just like, tomorrow's going to be great. I believe in us. And that settles that. Yeah. That's fair. Pretty much. Move I mean, on. What, else, what else? What else is she going to do? That's the perfect thing. I mean, Mabel, Mabel's... The way that they at least... I shouldn't say at least, but the way that they work every character into this to make them all matter is very well done. I 100% agree with that. Um, and I, I, it was very intentional from, from the get-go. I, I really think that they had a strong structure in mind when they were building this finale. Yeah. And like you said, it's not that it was rushed, but there's probably more that they wanted to do that they just didn't quite have time for. Yeah. Um, but it is well-written. Um, and Mabel is kind of the glue that holds everybody together. She is that positive energy that they don't really have anything to say other than, oh, well, fine, I guess that we're just going to have to go forward. And we move on to the next scene. So we see the Gravity Falls goat once again stomping outside as its giant 300-foot self. Uh, and yeah. McGucket reveals the new invention that the group has been working on. Dipper pulls a lever as they all ascend slowly into the air, and we see that the Mystery Shack is now a giant Gundam-style robot. Let's go! Go, go, Power Rangers! Mighty Morphin! Whatever, you know, you, you guys get the idea. <laughs> 100%. Uh, and we see it walk through some fields, and interesting thing here, I thought I saw Lil Gideon and his dad in the scene. Did you see that, or was it just his dad? Oh, I didn't see that. Gideon's trapped in Bill Cipher's room. Right, which is why I thought it was weird that I saw him there, and it may have just been his dad and I was seeing things. Um, I have it but, up in front of me right now. I could just check real quick. Sure. I mean, it would have been a very quick scene, and it was not there long. Actually, Pool Check happened to be part of that scene, too. He was sitting around a campfire with another survivor. What scene? a little bit less. Yeah, it was just a really random, quick scene with a couple of... It was almost trying to show, like, you know, like Walking Dead. There's a random ragtag group that's surviving outside of our main story, and it almost seemed to only be there for that reason. But they were oh, there. dude, he no, you saw you saw the burning dolls of of the of the kid of Gideon. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because they they were keeping themselves warm off of the merchandise. Got it. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, I actually feel, thank you for checking that. I feel very validated knowing that that was not a continuity issue. Yeah. And then there was also that uh, one guy with the American flag hat that, that just was happy about America when Grunkle was running for whatever he was running for. Amazing. Okay, that was the other guy. So thanks for closing the loop on that one. Yeah. Mayor. Uh, that's That's the position. Politics mean nothing to me. True. Uh, so we flash back to Bill's party crib. I just need to just keep calling this different things because I don't know if it has an official name. I like uh, Party Crib. I, I think that's a good one. All right, good. Uh, well, he's torturing Ford with electric shocks. Um, but he hears a sound and it is the dinosaur hand of the Mystery Shack robot punching through a door. And you're right, this is a dead dinosaur that has been given powers to like move around. Yeah. And I would just uh, like to say that it reminds me of the T-Rex song of from the Nostalgia Critic when he covered Jurassic Park. I'm sure if anybody recognizes that reference, you'll agree with me. Awesome. 
uh, I love deep cuts that maybe only one or two people will understand, but the ones yeah. who do are like, oh yeah, that is a reference right there. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh yeah, Nostalgia Critic, T-Rex song? I love that song. <laughs> Thank uh, you, one Stu person. Seuss calls this machine the Shaktron, as he proudly holds a pole with their flag and also Larry King's head. Because reasons. That's right. We also see the Gobblewonker, our lake monster from the previous episode, that I do believe is the machine and not the dead beast itself. Uh, I'm, I, I believe you're right, because he's got glowing eyes, and I don't remember the original one having glowing eyes. Fair enough. Uh, Bill orders the hench maniacs to attack immediately, and they all grow to be the size of this Shaktron. And we see Stan say, this was a bad idea, before we get to our commercial break. Oh, we see Fiddleford driving the, the, the Loch Ness Monster machine, too, so we do know it's a machine. Ah, okay, very cool. Um, but we also see Grenda and Candy acting as the arms, one of which was a formerly alive dinosaur, so it's not totally... Fair point! Fair point! <laughs> uh, and that is what's happening, because we are immediately battling with a theme song montage of the battle sequence. The Gravity yeah. Falls theme song, I mean. Uh... And Mabel and Waddles are handling the totem pole gun, which does a lot of damage to a bunch of these beasts. My um, favorite part of this fight was when Wendy jumps off of the house and literally rides on an uh, one of the bat eyeballs and starts, like, pulling on it and having it shoot the, the, the goons, Bill's goons. It was pretty good. Yeah, we see Wendy and Rumble McSkirmish, our beloved video game character, as the biggest yeah. contributors, contributors here. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's just sitting there... Hadoukening over and over and over again, which, God, what a camper. <laughs> that, that sounded like something that video gamers would know, and I don't. Wow. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, we see Multi Bear keeping watch, and several times our boy band running on a treadmill to act as a power generator. So that's actually their main purpose for this episode, is that specific moment. Um, and again, <laughs> I kind of see these as character moments. Um, yeah, I suppose. They, they don't have nearly as much flavor as they do in, in the rest of the show. But, you know, like I said, they, they they had to skimp on time. They didn't have as much to work with. Right. It's like they're kind of giving a lot of different people at least a purpose in this grand scheme. And I, I like that, even if it's yeah. not as flashy of a character moment as we expected in other episodes. No, I agree with that. Cool. Bill says, you had one job. And as Ford starts to root on Dipper and Mabel from the sidelines... Bill realizes, oh, maybe Ford will talk if I torture the children instead. And I feel like that's when this gets really good and really dark. Well, once they started threatening children torture was when I really got into it. Well, honestly, when Disney starts to do that, dude, it's kind of exciting because... I agree. I totally agree. It, again, I think that for me, my enjoyment of a thing starts with my expectations and ends wherever it reaches them or doesn't, I guess. Uh, and in my opinion, I love Disney, right? So I, I can get into this a little bit. Yes. Blue, maybe not as much, but I'm always going to be analyzing the things I love about Disney from a certain baseline that might be different from what my expectations are on, say, a Netflix show. Uh, and yeah. I think that the reason some of this hits so hard for me is because you are surprised that they are willing to go as far as they did. Um, 
there's one spot where even for Disney, I think they maybe could have gone farther and it disappointed me, but we'll probably talk about that one. Yeah. Uh, but again, it just comes down to what my expectations are and whether or not they can be surpassed. And oh, I think I might I, I might be thinking of the same moment because there's there no, there's a way that I felt that as well. But we'll talk about it. Great. So Bill Cipher freezes Ford, grows to an immense size and uses one fist to hammer the shack bot. He's so much bigger than it. But and the way they do it is great. He does like a like a like he, he like straightens his tie before he throws the fist down. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it's not good enough because the unicorn spell from before is still holding. Bill cannot affect the Shackbot right now. And Grenda uses the dinosaur hand of the machine to rip Bill Cipher's eye out. And it's actually really grotesque. It's the, see, the T-Rex, everybody. It's all about dinosaurs. That's the real moral of the story is have a dinosaur. Yeah, and Bill says something like, oh, come on. Do you know how long this takes to regenerate? Which is, Which is important. Perfect line to, to like quickly explain to them, you know. <laughs> yeah, and explain to the audience. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me well, guess. Just long enough for the next part of the plot to progress? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so as this is happening, we see a rescue team getting ready and hopping into these little escape pods. It is Stan, Wendy, Mabel, Dipper, Pacifica. Sheriff Blubs, McGucket, and Seuss. Uh, and this ends up being important because several of these people have stakes in the human share. Uh, and we get some nice moments out of it. Stan wonders if they should consider a plan that doesn't involve certain death, but it is too late. Wendy says now, and they all get flung straight into Bill's pyramid. Sorry, his uh, party crib. And release their parachutes. Pyramid. Party pyramid, we found it. Oh man, is is there something to like party mid? Uh, no, nah, it doesn't have the same ring. Nah, that's a that's a that's a party mid joke. But oh, hey. and you don't want and you also don't want your party to be pretty mid, as the kids say. That's literally the joke I just made. You just changed the words words around you. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> really okay. Well, listen, I don't understand youth terminology, so I might have missed that one. Fair. Um. Anyway, so we see a chair of bodies. And the statue of Ford is standing above them. He is not sure how to unfreeze them, uh, even <clears throat> if he can get to all of them. Or I guess Dipper isn't unsure how to unfreeze everybody. So at this moment, we see Mabel... See, well, we see Mabel C. Gideon dancing in a little birdcage. And uh, I am very surprised that they trust Gideon here still. This is a minor, minor nitpick. I mean, to be fair, he's uh, clearly not exactly a fan of Bill in this very moment. I feel like if he's going to help you, now is now is at least a moment where, you, well, I don't think he's a fan of Bill anymore. They don't exactly seem like friends. And, and I will say, he did turn on Bill to help Dipper and Mabel in the end of the last scene. So I guess it would be kind of weird if he betrayed them again. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is fine. Um because he starts talking about Bill. He's like, Bill captured me, has been forcing me to do cute dances in this cage for all eternity. Um, my head would still be worried that this is a trap. But Gideon says, oh, just pull May Mayor Tyler out. He's the load-bearing human. If you pull out that statue, the whole thing goes down. Again, sounds like a trap, but Dipper pulls out that statue and it works. Everybody comes to life. 
Also, is that symbolic for the way that people are docile and respect the political nature of a figure that they don't actually need to hold the power of their society together? Whoa. I hope so. I hope so, because that would make me feel a lot better about the fact that this seems like a very flimsy way to just free everybody. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? They just pull one guy out and the whole thing like, Bill, you have all of this power. You can turn people to stone. And you made just the bottom left-hand corner. You, it's just like, you pull one out and everybody's completely free, like, dog. And again, how does doing? Gideon How does Gideon know this? Well, maybe Gideon knew it before he backstabbed Bill is the only way that this makes some level of sense to me. But I don't yeah. remember Gideon seeing the human chair statue thing. Off so, screen. Uh, he, he, when he was dancing, he saw something that, that made him learn. That's probably right. what a fan online would say. So again, I, I'm kind of overanalyzing it, but I, just a couple things with that scene where I was like, okay, we really are trying to rush to get through this part where everybody gets freed. Um, and it's fine because I loved the next part. Um which maybe had its weak moments too. Uh, but we do see a few people highlighted as they get freed. Lazy Susan, Robbie, who says, wow, I think I'm dark and tortured for reals now. Which I thought was a very good line because, it, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a joke that a bunch of young people are pretending to be traumatized when they don't actually experience it yet. <laughs> and Robbie is the uh, poster child for that. Yeah. And... Uh, then we see Tad Strange, who gets a character moment. He's And if you remember, because it's hard to remember, he only showed up in one episode as a normal guy whose name is Tad Strange, and he's just a boring white man. Yeah. Um, he just says, this experience will forever scar Tad Strange. The end. Yeah, I, I liked having him in there. I thought it was No, funny. I will say, they could have cut that instead of the unicorn scene. Right. That's well, if the unicorn scene actually got cut, but I do think having the unicorn would have been better for the plot. I agree. Um, also, Wendy finds her family, Pacifica finds her parents, and Blubs finds his Durland. And he says, Don't you ever scare me like that again. And they have uh, the loveliest moment where you know the writers were going to have them kiss. But then the freaking writers or the, you know, censors probably walked in and said no. Because, yep. like, I, I saw them go for that hug, and I'm like, oh, that was so written to be a kiss. That was a kiss moment to the max. Yeah, I mean, we they go harder at the end than I thought that they would, which we'll get to, but uh, I agree. I And it's a shame. I bet that now they could have gotten that in there, but they couldn't at the year that the show aired. Definitely. Definitely uh, so, true. and at last, Ford is also free. He sees Dipper and Mabel and also his old assistant, Fiddleford McGucket, who he hasn't seen since everything went down. And I honestly forgot that they have not interacted uh, since Ford came back. And I like this here. He is, he's assuming McGucket hates him. McGucket says something like, well, you know, I tried forgetting, reference to him losing his memory, but maybe it's time to forgive. And they hug. I, oh God, I wish they had more time for that. I really I, do. I know, I know. I think Journal 3 includes some really good stuff that's worth reading about their relationship and yeah, friendship. It, it so. totally does. Well, you know, it's funny. Having read Journal 3 is partially why I feel that way, because I know how much went in between their relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah the first time I watched it, I probably didn't even think that. But but now, upon second, knowing everything, especially having read the journal, I'm just like, 
oh my god like this is the first i know that there's a lot going on too but like man i wish they had had more resolution at least after everything happened you know Sure. And Ford is really quick to hug McGucket and have that nice moment while his brother Grunkle stands standing right there. And he's like, yeah, good to see you too. Let's go. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, well done. But before that, Dipper and Mabel have to ask Ford, yo, what is Bill's weakness? We need to know this right away. And he's like, oh, right. And he starts spray painting what looks like a summoning circle on the floor with Bill Cipher in the middle. Says yeah. it's a prophecy. Uh, the prophecy, you know, that we've talked about this whole time. Definitely wasn't just uh, mentioned today. Oh, okay. Interesting. You you didn't like... Okay, that didn't bother me so much. The fact that we're just okay. about the prophecy now. Okay, so I thought this was... Like, over the first time, I didn't notice or care at all or thought it was, I even thought it was fun. But this time, I hate prophecy in Destiny stuff. I hate it. It just mm. doesn't make sense. It, it's just, oh, well, you know, you know, it just doesn't make sense. It, it it makes characters unrelatable. It makes situations feel phony. Like, like oh, why why did Harry, po why was Harry Potter, Potter the guy... Oh, it was Destiny. And everybody's like, oh, well, it also could have been this one other guy. Okay, whatever. It's Destiny. Okay? He didn't have to do anything. Fate wrote the story for him. He could have just laid on his back his whole life and everything would have gone his way. Because you said death. Just because you said Destiny. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, this was a prophecy. This was Destiny. This moment was bound to happen. There's nothing you could have done about it. Congratulations. It made all of our struggles for nothing. You know what I mean? Okay, I kind of understand. Uh, I hate seeing Destiny. I hate it in stories. It bothers me. <laughs> I can understand uh, that criticism. It didn't bother me that it just came up now, though, because I feel like, and I might be totally wrong about this, that we have maybe seen this design before at the, like, the end of an end credit scene. Like, I don't think that it came out of completely nowhere. I'm sure that maybe for, like, hardcore fans, yes, there was something subtle. But for anybody who's just watching the story to enjoy the story, no, it came out of nowhere. Well, and there's one thing about it that also does make me more agree with you. And that is that we start seeing that there's symbols, uh, right, for this summoning circle. Yeah. And years ago, Ford found these 10 symbols in a cave. Yeah. The native people of Gravity Falls had prophesied that those symbols could create a strong force to yeah. vanquish Bill Cipher, you know, this triangle demon, and save the town. Um, and he thought it was fake, but now thinks yeah. it's destiny. Of course. Because, of course. Because <laughs> why not? The native and, people who also we've never seen on screen or talked about this entire story. Well, and at first I'm thinking to myself as this is happening, wow, the writers were so good here. They intentionally put all of these different designs on people's clothes so that all of this would be relevant later. Dipper's That's what I his, thought. Right. Dipper has his pine tree. Mabel's got the shooting star. Seuss has the question mark. Robbie has the pierced heart. And then we start getting to some of the others. And it <laughs> does make it feel a little bit like, oh, we thought about this much later into the writing process. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, this one's ice. Let's put Wendy there. Oh, because here's the llama that, that, you know, Pacifica, that Mabel knitted for Pacifica in this episode. <laughs> Right. Uh, and I guess that's right, because spectacles are for McGucket. They're looking for someone scholarly. And they could they could have even done stuff for these. Like for Pacificus, they could have made it money. 
You know what I mean? Like, they could have even found something. They could have made sure. Wendy an axe because she was, like, raised by lumber people. There's you know? one way that you could interpret this where it's sort of trying to say, oh, it's not a pure prophecy because there are multiple people that could fit the category for some of these. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the exact 10 people. Or maybe it could be anybody wearing Mabel's sweater if it had to be. Or um, it could just be literally anyone at all. Then why are we doing it? Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I kind of understand. So we have to fulfill the prophecy by finding a way to make all of these symbols matter is sort of how I interpreted it. And I think that's okay. Okay. Um, but so, so here's where some people might, might correct our criticism, right? Yeah. They'll be like, oh, well, it didn't end up being the prophecy because, you know, of what happens. <laughs> oh, yes. So what happens? Um, they still need one more person and yeah. it happens to be a symbol on the ground that matches Grunkle Stan's hat. Of Pac-Man he... eating a pellet. Wow, the natives knew that Pac-Man would be invented. What a weird thing. What about multiple timelines? What about the universe where Pac-Man was never real? Sorry. <laughs> yes. So he's still mad and does not want to help. Um, because Ford created the end of the world in the first place. And which I don't even get that reasoning, to be honest. Uh, and Ford's no. like... Okay, sure, true, but we got to do this. Um, yes. And Stan yes, says, well, I'll do it if you just say thank you. Which, Stan, again, not the time, but Ford also, okay, yeah. fine, just say thank you. Stan, you're literally holding all of these people's safety hostage out of pure pettiness. Pure pettiness. Like, bro. And so, so... For me, the reason why that's not just lame as a character moment, because we've seen that he'll do anything to protect his kids until now when it's convenient. You know what I mean? Like, I actually run rewatch. I have so many problems with this scene because he he doesn't shake his hand at first. And then, you know, Ford says, all right, thank you. And he's like, thank you. And then, like you know, they, they hold hands or whatever. And he goes, and then Grunkle says another thing. And Ford corrects him on his grammar. Literally corrects him <laughs> on his grammar in the most petty way that you could have possibly done it. And then he's like, nope, I'm not doing it. And he undoes the hand and then Bill comes in and stops them, right? So the prophecy doesn't even matter, right? This whole thing was clearly just shoehorned in for a fake-out finale so that it doesn't work. We get the drama and string along the actual finale, the finale that's going to come later and how they're actually going to defeat him. So it didn't even matter that any of this happened. Oh! That makes me feel better about that, actually. I mean, the emotional moment between the brothers is the only reason why this scene exists. Otherwise, you could have just skipped it entirely and missed nothing. And they still could have had this emotional moment before he gives his memory away. Okay, you know what? I'm actually going to push back. I disagree with you. Um, in a okay, weird way, why? you actually talked me into enjoying this more than I did originally. That's so uh, funny. Because it does sort of throw away the prophecy. It's like, we see them glow. We see that the prophecy in theory could work, but the actual lesson that it is telling us, hey, prophecies don't always happen sometimes. Sometimes you have to find a different way to do it. And that actually is anti-fate. That's not a lesson. They could have just not had this moment at all. Okay, but it, I, completely okay, pointless. It's not a lesson, except it. I like that they didn't end up going the fate route. That they could have gone that way and they didn't. So it's a little bit of a fake out. And I, even though it 
obviously it is unrealistic to think that in the face of danger that these two uh, characters would still choose pettiness over saving everybody. Yeah, but it is a way for us to get some really important plot resolution for their friendship and their relationship. And at the end of the day, you know, we're still not watching you know, I don't know, The Wire, the, you know, one of the best, most tightly written shows of all time. It's, I've never it's still, even heard of that. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it, but I know that it's, it's known for having very good tight writing. Uh, the point that I'm trying to make, though, is we're getting a character moment out of it. I, I actually think that we're uh, over-criticizing a little bit. Um, well, I mean, part of the reason I criticize stuff that's really good so hard is because I know how good they can be. You know what true. I mean? Like, when, when I make statements about, like, you know, like, Adventure Time or, like, I come down hard on the things that I love, it's because I've seen how good you can be, so I know you were just being lazy in this one moment. Or rushed or whatever, you know what I mean? Okay. It's but I like, still like the imagery of all of them standing in the circle. I honestly don't mind it. Um, Well, I remember loving it when I saw it for the first time, but when yeah. I was watching it for the second time and, in, in like, analyzing it and reviewing it, I was like wait a minute, this scene totally doesn't even need to exist. Like, this this is here, this whole setup, this whole, like, imagery of, like, fate and all that, this is all introduced last minute, which already feels really out of place. And then it's only for the sake of the exposition of the brothers' relationship, which they could have done in a bunch of different ways. I guess they could have maybe found another way, but I do like that we are kind of having a scene here where they're... Their troubled past almost ends the world just because they can't get along for two seconds and then they have to figure out how to repair that. I don't hate it. I really don't. Um, at least the sentiment of it all. Like, I understand maybe it could have been executed differently, but at least we get some really cool imagery out of it. We get to see a bunch of these characters have a little moment. Um, and, you know, then we move to the next thing. I, honestly, uh, I feel better about it now having listened to your rant about it that I did uh, prior to. So I appreciate that. You are just throwing for content over here and counteracting me. <laughs> no, I'm really not. Like, I I actually uh, remembered why I liked it in the first place because whether or not I think it's realistic, I was gripped by the moment. You know, I was sitting there like, no, no, don't do this. And then the grammar thing is very funny. The gra I mean, the grammar thing was funny. That did get a laugh out of me. I will say that. But, like, my reaction upon second watch was like, wow, what a dumb way to shoehorn in this, this plot line. That's truly what, my, what I thought while I was watching it. But it's also the moment that I alluded to earlier that reminds us how Ford actually has a really big ego. And he's just subtly petty in, like, such a digging, annoying way that you can understand would get at anybody. Because... It's yeah. not out front. It's just like saying these little digs that slowly just bother you and bother you and bother you until you decide it's worth ending the world to stop holding that person's hand. But this is the problem, right? If he he could have, we could have seen that play out the exact same way. And Grunkle could have just been like, you're such a dick, but kept holding his hand. Mm -hmm. And nothing would have, why, why, like, that would have been just as believable. You know what I mean? If not more so. Sure. I guess that's true. Like, him literally uh, releasing his hand, like, nope, you know what? You corrected my grammar. Let the world rot. I don't give a I don't care. I don't care anymore. It's like, come on, man. Like, are you really expecting me to believe that? See, after everything that we've seen in the show, I think that we have enough context clues that, yeah, I could squint and see Stan being that petty. Either of them being that petty. Because of how much baggage they carry. I think they explained it enough to us 
to where I have enough there to not be upset about it. I would agree with you if it wasn't for all of the scenes that we've seen throughout the show that that show him that family means more to him than anything. Oh, They've hammered true. that home so many times in so many different episodes where he's like, look, I know I'm kind of a rough guy around the edges, but I care about my kids. Except in this one moment when someone corrects his grammar, then let my kids die. Who cares? Like, no, dude. <laughs> well, here's why I think it's okay. Because he's having a weak moment where at that moment, I bet at that point, he's not even thinking about the kids at all. Like, he probably doesn't even realize they're there. He's just thinking about himself and his own frustration with his brother to where all of a sudden everything else doesn't matter and he makes a really stupid choice, which is kind of a human thing where you don't actually remember the gravity of a thing that you're doing until you have a chance to reflect on it later, which he no, does. You know what? You're right, he does, and he shouldn't, and we'll get into that too. I have another what? complaint. Yeah, oh. because he has no consequences at the end of this, which he should. Oh, okay, but that's... You're, you're right about the consequence thing. But as far as him reflecting, I think that's a good liter or a good narrative choice. Um, well, yeah, so, but he shouldn't have the ability to reflect because his memory should be gone. Well, I meant before that. I meant when he's trapped, but... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get it's to time. that. It's My time. My rant's not over, everyone. I'm warming <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, so this actually, if you watched on Disney+, Plus, is where the episode is broken in two. And... Oh, what? Uh, yeah, Lou asked me before the episode because he watched it like a pirate. Uh, wow. <laughs> I, I, what, what he means is I watched it where it was literally aired everywhere else on the planet except for Disney+. Plus. Well, originally, yes. It was always aired as this special. Uh, but now the only place that you can watch it legally, as far as I know, is Unless through Disney+. Unless you bought Plus. the DVDs. There's a oh, million other you... ways you could watch it legally. You don't right. brainwash by streaming services. <laughs> Hold on, though. You're not telling me that you watched it on DVD, are you? I'm not telling the audience that. <laughs> All right. Uh, I apologize for assuming. Um, anyway, if you're watching on Disney+, Plus, which I do think at this point is probably the most common way that people watch The Gravity Falls now, unless they're seeing it on network TV or a DVD. I think that is egregious that you assume that most people aren't pirating. Okay. <laughs> Well, sorry, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I, I meant I meant strictly through legal means. Um, yeah. If you're a fool, you're the... No, I'm just kidding. All right, we're done with this conversation. Yeah, we're, we're done with this. If you're watching on Disney+, Plus, this is split into two episodes at this point. And this is my turn for a rant. This episode is so much worse split in two. It needs the entire... <laughs> it needs the entire 45 minutes. Seriously, so because the end is awesome. If you are watching this as one consistent episode, but as an isolated part four, you leave feeling like the climax is well into the first half of the episode and then everything else sort of trails off. So as a single like 22 minute episode, it's not great narratively, though the stuff that happens is very fun and it gives you resolution. I am all about this being a full 45 minute episode that is just one finale and that is not yeah. split into. I did not like having it split like this. When you said that it was split in two, because, yeah, like, I, I watched it, you know, as God intended in a, in a specific, you know, <laughs> full-length thing, a single run. And when I, I was like, where would you have even had the break? There was no organic moment where, like, you could break this in half. And it seems like they just ended it at the 20-whatever-minute mark. Where they Like, what was the end? Was there even an end scene, or did they just start rolling the credits after somebody's line? Um, so basically what happened was the episode starts off 
And or so they roll the credits for the previous episode, and but, there's like not... where did it? What it? What what was the last thing that happened? Uh, basically, Bill shows up. He says, "Sorry, enough time has passed." After Ford and Stan have their fight, um, and at this point, we see the shack bot shack bot on the ground and as bill approaches they end the episode and the end credit scene is just them flashing to a picture of the prophecy and then there's nothing else uh then the new episode starts and they don't have a proper opening sequence they just have seuss narrating what happened last time on gravity falls is this and then they play oh the theme song God. and they the get the only voice actor they could get back this late in the game yeah i don't know how late in the game they did it. i actually think it was pretty uh, early because they've been they've been running it as separate episodes on Disney Channel for a while, um, but anyway, I think so based on my research on the wiki. Anyway, without having fact checked it, um, <laughs> okay, fair, yeah. So uh, anyway, so now we are technically in part four, but this is all part of the same episode. So, Bill uh, Cipher different title. They do, actually. So part three is technically titled Take Back the Falls, and that's the canonical title of the finale. Yeah. And then part four, if you consider it real, is called Somewhere in the Woods. Wow, what a weak title. <laughs> I'm a hater. I own it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Bill Cipher says, don't you brainiacs know the Zodiac doesn't work if you don't all hold hands? Uh, and... He also recognizes correctly, thanks for bringing all of my actual threats to my power in one convenient circle for me to just kill everybody at once. Uh, and he captures Stan and Ford first. He traps Dipper and Mabel inside this little blue pyramid, and he turns everyone else into these terrified posters on the wall that are honestly beautiful art. Yeah, they really are. They look really sick. And when he does it, he like, like kind of turns them all into demons. Their eyes get all yellow and glazy and roll up into their heads. It's really sick. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, so Bill gives Ford one last chance to give him the info he needs to make Weird Mageddon global before he hurts the kids. And Mabel shouts, Bill makes bad deals. Uh, and it turns out that makes Bill mad enough to get close and Mabel spray paints him in the face. So his eye once again needs to regenerate. Yeah. Uh, and Which that allows me. Stan and Ford to break free. And Dipper uses the growth flashlight from a previous episode to make the pyramid trap bigger, which makes it big enough for them to escape. Uh, Dipper tells Ford and Stan to run. We've beaten Bill before we can beat him again. And they don't have time to disagree because Bill then traps them in a pyramid and starts chasing the kids. And he says the greatest line, I've got some children I need to make corpses. See you real soon. Yeah. Which I and then think... he turns, he turns into this crazy red glowing, like, his body gets all Rubik's cube and starts rotating, and he grows, like, extra limbs. It's awesome. Yeah, he tells the kids he'll disassemble their molecules as he's chasing them through this, you know, pyramid of torture. And Great Mabel animation. does... Yeah, Mabel does get them out with her grappling hook, which, again, referencing a previous episode. Uh, and I want to yeah, say again... I actually do think that they make some awesome references to the entire history of the show all throughout these, these two episodes. I do uh, too. And I appreciate that. Grappling um, hook was, was necessary. Absolutely. When Bill Cipher says, see you real soon, that's like a Mickey Mouse catchphrase. And I wonder if they snuck that in there on purpose. Huh. That's hilarious. 
Yeah, I, I think, I hope so. Especially right after he says, I've got some children I need to make corpses. Uh, so meanwhile- funny oh my god sorry <laughs> i know i know i'm really hoping that it is as intentional as it seemed um sometimes i overthink these things but that's the kind of thing that alex hirsch would have loved to get in there god what if he even i bet he even wanted to go oh see you real soon oh i know I, and that would have never ever gotten there no but, way no way uh, <laughs> you're right that's in my mind that's how it played out and i will forever have that narrative <laughs> i'm gonna think of it that way too that's funny Cool. Uh, so meanwhile, Ford and Stan are contemplating, and this is where I like this, um, where we are starting to reflect on what happened. Stan is coming to his senses a little bit, and he realizes, oh my god, the kids might die because I couldn't shake my brother's hand. And I again, I think in the moment he just forgot about it. He was too blinded by his rage, which does happen to people. And just seems like such an unlikely context for that to happen then. Like, this isn't a game of Yahtzee where you accidentally yell at your kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. Um, but Ford tells him, hey, don't blame yourself. I'm the one that made a deal with Bill in the first place, which is Facts. so true. Facts. This is totally um, his fault. And he says Stan wouldn't have fallen for the flattery. Like, he's like, bro, you would have seen him as the scam artist he is. Like, I'm an idiot. I'm naive. Um, and they wonder, how did things get so messed up between them? Uh, we used to be like Dipper and Mabel. They still know how to get it done with the world on the line and get uh, work together. Ford says, it's time to play the only card we have left. I got to just let Bill into my mind. He'll be able to take over the galaxy, but maybe he'll let the kids be free. I do believe that they would prioritize these children over the fate of the world. So I didn't take Thank issue you. with that. I mean, at a um, certain point, you also kind of have to wonder, like, if he if he didn't believe Bill would do anything that he said in his deals up until this point, why would he believe him now? Yeah, a hundred percent. So he he does say, if it weren't for the plate in my head, the memory gun would work on me, and we could erase Bill from my memory when he went in. And Stan's like, oh well, there's no plate in my head, uh, but unfortunately, not the head that Bill wants. So. Ford feels like there's no choice but to let Bill into his own mind. And, and it's a good here. thing they're not identical twins. So, yeah, burying the lead here a little bit. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. When I watched this episode for the first time, it totally fooled me. Um, me too. Uh, I feel dumb now, though. <laughs> I know, because immediately I did remember on this rewatch. I was like, oh, I know what happens here, and it's so good. Yeah, I honestly felt like, wow, I should have probably seen that coming. But I didn't. I got baited. Right. So Dipper and Mabel continue running. Mabel grows her arm with the flashlight to punch a hole in the wall of the pyramid, which I really liked. Very cool. Uh, they see the hench maniacs defeating all of their friends before Bill sneaks up from behind and does capture Mabel and Dipper, brings them back to Ford. Uh, so this is another su such a good Bill moment. He's like, hey, I feel like I'm going to kill just one of them for the heck of it. Eeny, meeny, miny. And that's when Ford decides to burst in here and surrender. But the evil dude, oh, he's such yeah. a good villain. <clears throat> yeah. So Bill reaches out his hand and Ford shakes it. We see Bill escape his body and enter into the mind of Ford. He sees a Or con. so we think it's Ford. So we think it's Ford. And he walks into a nice, calm, orderly void, leading to a door. And he starts to compliment Ford on knowing how to clear his mind. 
And yeah. it's not long after that, he opens the door and it is actually Grunkle Stan in his Gravity Falls living room. He's like, hey, I do a great impression of my brother, don't I? Welcome to yeah. my mind. Yeah, and Bill's like, oh no. Oh god, what's happening? How did you get me in here? Oh god. This really hits. Like, th yeah. this is like what makes it a great finale still to me, despite some of the plot holes that we've mentioned and how they maybe didn't swing hard enough at one part. But I agree. I think this and how they resolve a ton of the other character stories uh, makes this finale fantastic. Yeah, you really do get a huge sense of closure on everything by yeah, the end totally. of the episode. Absolutely. And uh, you're right. That's a strength. And it's so good because Bill is panicking. And we see his, we really do see his weakness. Because we see outside, Ford is holding the memory gun, switches the name to Stanley Pines. Oh, is he going to do it? Is he going to be able to pull the trigger? Uh, and there is a question there. Will he decide to try to find another solution or not? Uh, but no, because inside, Stan, as Bill is just like stumbling around the floor and like begging for some kind yeah. of other solution to make a deal. He's like, look at me, you one-eyed demon. You're a real wise guy, but you made a big mistake. You messed with my family. And we yeah, do get the family line. resolution. Yeah. Fa fantastic line. And God, if only right. there were consequences for this action. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. There's that one thread, though, that he has always cared about his family first. And he does follow through with it in the end where it counts. Yeah. And he puts himself at risk. Obviously, we skirted around it, but it's obvious at this point. They switched places. Um Grunkle Stan is willing to let his memory be erased to get rid of Bill Cipher. Yep. And, uh, you know, Bill is desperately just trying to change forms and clinging to anything he can before he slowly just loses his existence. Yep. Uh, and he shouts, Stanley! And Stan punches him for one yeah. final blow before he just disintegrates into the ether. Which was such a sick moment. You didn't even need to punch him. The fact that you gave us that satisfaction was just raw. <laughs> I know. Grand, incredible scene. Tips off the show. Amazing. Like, I really, Absolutely. I love this scene yeah. so very much. I don't want anyone um, to think that I don't like this episode just because I get passionate about critiquing those two parts of it. Yes. Um, because, yeah, the, the way that they actually wrap everything up and give us this closure and this super epic moment and these great lines, like, this is a fantastic fantastic ending yeah uh, and they could have just had a moment or two <laughs> and stan after he punches bill we do see the room around him burning symbolizing you know the rest of his memories going away including a picture of dipper and mabel as he realizes maybe i was good for something after all and now look i'm the kind of person who loves people like, I love that the audience is there to learn the story off of the tragedy of the characters that we're watching. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I, I love it when stories do that. And I think, well, I guess we should probably get into it a little bit later, but because it doesn't, it doesn't get addressed until later. Sure. I mean, we've been skirting around it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Out, outside, we do see that Ford pulled the trigger. Um, yeah. He used it. Uh, everyone who was trapped inside the posters fall to the ground. Outside, the henchmaniacs are pulled from the ground into the rift of the sky, along with everything else from Bill's apocalypse. Yep. Um, Gravity Falls is not just back to normal, but like beautiful and clean and everything is fine. Yep. Um, 
we see Rumble McSkirmish, our video game hero, fade into the ether as well, which was kind of sad. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, it had to happen because he was only brought there by the, the weirdness stuff going on. But uh, I also got to wonder who got those points, that hun- those hundred points that showed up when he disappeared. Who did that go to? Oh, maybe we'll talk about it when we talk about the character points of the episode. Fan theory? That's how Bill Cipher gets brought back? Those hundred points are his remaining existence? <laughs> oh my god, silly. Uh, <laughs> Ford, Mabel, and Dipper walk to Grunkle Stan inside the Gravity Falls forest, just outside the shack. Mabel is so excited. She's trying to congratulate him. Like, you did it, Grunkle Stan! And immediately just gets so upset as she realizes he does not know who she is anymore. And I remember this hitting so hard when I watched it for the first time. Like, oh it my, it even hurts. It even hits hard this time, knowing what's going to happen. A hundred percent. And Ford says, yeah, uh, I'm, Stan has no idea he saved the world, but he did and his family and they're all just crying. And from afar, Dipper sees the mystery shack nearly destroyed. They walk in, Seuss pops in. They try to tell Grunkle Stan, hey, this is your place. And he says he doesn't remember, but the chair hugs his butt like it remembers. And Which which is, first of all, that's enough, right? The fact that clearly he has the same personality. He's the same guy. He just doesn't yeah. have his memories. Like, you don't even need to bring back his memories. You could just have him relearn to be in the family. And that works. That's great. It shows that it's going to be hard and they're going to have to work through it. And it's a problem. But that's the consequence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would have loved that so much more. I know. But, you know, it's a Disney show and I get it. We can't have tragedy in our Disney cartoons. Nobody has to have any consequences. So this is what I was alluding to earlier. I think Disney could have gone there. Back I in 2014. Too. I really do. I don't think that it would have been a problem. I don't know if Alex Hurst tried and they pushed back. I hope not. I mean, I have noticed that it seems like a lot of Disney shows are unwilling to take that last, not just Disney shows, honestly, I'll admit, the TVY7 yeah. genre, as much as I love so many of that these cartoons, I feel like it happens a lot where we get to the finale and we have an opportunity to really have something hit home and then at the end, everything ends up being okay. Yeah. And so much is okay. You know, we can deal with the one consequence and have that be the part that sticks with us so that it really, really hits. Right! Um, I so so agree! That would have been so much more powerful! You know, especially if there's this, like, sad feeling of, like, well, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take this old bag of bones, like, like, Grunkle, so the Grunkles, they say that they're gonna go on the adventure that they always talked about going on as a kid for their resolution, right? And it's really sweet. He could have just taken him anyway and been like, I'm gonna try to, like, you know... You know, he's going to have to remember who he is through history. He'll still, like, form new memories, but he won't remember, like, being there. He'll just remember what he was taught. And that's enough. You don't have to have him. Because, honestly, it only leaves the question of, like, dude, if you could just remember everything for no reason, why can Bill not just come back? Yeah. Uh, I No, I'm so with you on this. Like, this is the part that we are 100% in lockstep. I really... It could have been so strong for us to just see a scene where he's learning to be with his brother again and be friends with his brother all over again. Oh, God. Even just thinking about that t- tugs at my heart. I <laughs> That's know. That's such a good idea. <laughs> it's like it was there. They, they really could have done it. Um, yeah. And again, I don't want to make it sound like uh, we didn't like the finale because it really is in so many ways a great finale. We do have those extremely powerful moments. But I really think that one tweak is what separates it from being an all-timer in all of animation. I Even agree. with the other 
issues with uh, the prophecy or anything else. Uh, uh, for me, that and the fact and the prophecy thing that to me was just like a redirect. Okay, I'll give it to you. It's a re- it's a redirection that at least makes sense narratively and thematically. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I thought the mechanism was a little lazy, I can agree with you that like like narratively it made sense for it to be there, right? Yeah. But because of those two things, I would put this in A tier for a finale and not S tier. Sure. I think no, I think that's fair. But I would put our podcast in S tier. How about that? Oh yeah, that's fair. We our, our <laughs> podcast gets all the Gravity Falls points. <laughs> um. So anyway, I we we talked all about it. Um. Everybody, it's funny. Stan is saying this line about, "Oh, you know, this chair hugs my butt like it remembers," and just them all hearing him say that line, it tears them up because they see him. You know, they see the person that they know without his memory. Seuss, the the way Seuss's face looks so well animated, he is just destroyed completely, uh, it, emotionally just, stripped. I've I've also known a lot of people who have their parent, their parents or grandparents have, you know like died through Alzheimer's or or dementia or something like that. Right. And people who've gone through that kind of trauma, they see a story like this, have this ending. And they're like, it makes them really sad because they're like, yeah, would be nice if that could happen, but it doesn't happen like that. You have to, you know, you get old and you die. And you know what I mean? And it's like, it's, it's taking so much of the like emotion out of it. And it's a disservice to people who actually go through real memory loss trauma. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I mean I'm so incredibly with you. Uh and I mean I I'm I'm comfortable saying it and let me know if you want to cut it out but our grandparents both had Alzheimer's before they passed. Yeah. And I also don't want to say that making anyone think that it traumatized me because I I personally didn't know them very well and wasn't emotionally affected by it. I'm it, I, I, I'm fine with saying that as well. Sure. I mean it hit me worse because I'm older. I grew yeah. up with them a little bit more. Um I know how hard it was on our mom obviously it's her parents yeah and you know it it's not an easy thing um and again i think that it's okay to have those kind of stories in animation and let people feel those emotions without pulling back on them it's good like i go to disney because i want to feel good things a lot of the time you know that's a happy place for me even when it comes to the theme parks and everything but um you know it i uh i I just would have liked to see it um, I watch art because I want it to tear me apart. I want to walk shit. out of a movie theater feeling like I don't understand life the way, it, or I, I feel, yeah, like I want to feel shaken to my core. That's that's my favorite experience about art is feeling like I've been shaken to my core philosophically or emotionally for one reason or another. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to walk out of a movie feeling like it's changing my life. And if you pull your punches, you're never going to have that impact with people. So I don't even... Uh, consume my content that way and I still agree with you in this case because you have enough of the levity and the softness. It's not like you are ending things super sad. They won. You have an opportunity for this heartwarming moment where again the brothers get together whether he has a memory or not. Uh, I think that's why I'm a little bit more upset about it because it's not even like a certain animated finale that I don't want to spoil for people where we get teased about a character death and I was really disappointed they didn't go through with it, but I can understand why for a TVY7, you did not want this character to die. Do I know the show uh, you're talking about? Oh yeah, we reacted to it. Okay, I know it. I know which one it is. I agree. <laughs> um, but at least I could see it. And if, you know, Disney didn't want to flat out kill a character that's a main character of the show, I can see that, right? Yeah, I can, but they this didn't is... need to. This could have been worked with. 
Right. And so I guess we've, we've harped on it enough, but, um, I, I do feel this way, uh, just, just like you. And it doesn't yeah. mean the show is not spectacular and one of my favorites ever, but, um, again, we can choose to live in the world where, uh, <laughs> that was the ending. And totally. you know what, even if not, just from a sheer, I, I guess a sheer selfish perspective, I am at least happy to see as a person who loves these characters that the kids were able to get their grunkle back. How about that? If I'm analyzing it from an enjoyment yeah. perspective, caring about the characters versus caring about the quality of the show. I mean, they get them back before they just move back in with their parents and then the two leave to travel the world anyway. So they're only back for a day. True. And maybe the, you know, the creators felt like they needed to be able to have these final closure moments. And if Stan's memory was gone, they weren't going to be able to get all of them. And let's get into that, that I understand yeah. that a little bit because these closure moments are really good. Right, they are great. And uh, I'm not going to say that they're not great, even though I would have liked the other ending. Um, so anyway, they start going through the Summer Memories book. So this does pay off a little bit. Mabel's been keeping this book throughout the show. And they're able to use that as the mechanism for him to slowly start remembering. Um, it's like, I, I think it's hard because if he's remembering... Why doesn't Bill Cipher just slowly reemerge as a result yeah. of him getting his memory back at the same time? Because it kind of means that the memory gun didn't have its thing. Sorry, I'll stop getting into it too hard. It's but... true. It's true, though. It's true. <laughs> it, 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 if you're analyzing the show, you can't help but be like, oh, well, it's the one thing you shouldn't have dialed back on. It would have been yeah. perfect. Nearly. But anyway, the one thing that starts to trigger his memory is Waddle starting to jump up. He says Waddle's name. And they're like, oh my gosh, wait, he's getting it. Which isn't even like, a, it's not even an emote. Like, it's not even one of his kids. It's not even his brother. It was the pig. Like, really? That's yeah. the thing that jogs your... Sorry. Okay, you're right. We're done talking about it. Yeah, then he starts saying Seuss's name, and they just sort of uh, start getting things. And we get the picture. Okay, Stan is going to be able to remember this stuff. Fine. Um, and then we get an awesome montage sequence. Good morning, Gravity Falls. It is our yeah. beloved reporter once again giving us everything uh about the town and they're getting so many little pieces of closure here um so i'm gonna try to just get through it and you know just jump in at whatever sticks out to you um every day is beautiful now that the unpleasantness is over we see some various scenes from the town folk uh we see robbie's weird parents who are really into the macabre stuff they're packing zombies into a cemetery. And one is the old mayor who died in a previous episode. The the one funny moment is they're doing that and the mayor pops out of the ground. And when Robbie's mom is just like, oh, no, 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 thank you. Robbie, would you please give me the sawed off shotgun? Just like, oh, that's right. And Robbie says something like, oh, fine. I've still got all my teenage angst. And for those of you that don't know, sawed off shotguns are not legal because it, it there's a whole reason i don't know anything about guns but they're not legal to have wow didn't know that um <laughs> mayor tyler says hey none of us know what happened or want to so i've passed the never mind all that act so if anyone starts asking questions we just say never mind, never all, mind that. all that <laughs> that's pretty funny that's that's some real small town vibes i think that works yeah i, I like it i feel like i could use that slogan yeah well uh, and also like it it it, it Obviously, this isn't the kind of thing. They're playing this like it's a normal world, so you can't really have this news story just fly across the globe, you know? Mm -hmm. 
So this makes it all work because everybody's like, yeah, we're traumatized by this and we've got small town mindset. So we don't even really care about sharing it with anyone. Oh, so dang, it works. Yeah. You know, uh, right after this, the cops say, and if you break the rules, we're going to zap you because we're mad with power and love. And they don't That's... kiss, which I wish they would. I know me too. But you know what's, you know what, you know what? I feel, I feel two ways about this, right? Yep. Because you just got away with making a police brutality joke in a Disney show because you have the two cops in love. <laughs> and it's a, it's a level of an emotional manipulation that I don't know where to stand. <laughs> we do finally canonically confirm that they are a couple in that moment. and Yeah, I and that they so abuse their power. They're holding tasers when they say it. Yeah, I mean... It's also cheeky because it's making fun of that police brutality. God, it it's is. It's a low-key joke, though. <laughs> I know. You're right. That's a, that's a harsh joke. Like, that is major satirical. Um, yeah. Like, uh, I loved it. I, I think I loved it. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> the Northwest family went broke after Mr. Northwest had pledged his allegiance to Bill and placed all his savings in weirdness bonds. Which... Fantastic. So good. So they're forced to sell their mansion to preserve their fortune, which means they're still rich. And Fiddleford buys it. Which is incredible. Like, what an Great amazing writing. ending. Yeah, so smart. Um, um, I still yeah, wish that the rich people had worse consequences, but that's just, that's all I always feel that way in life. Yeah, well, but in a way, it also checks out because they tell Pacifica, I'm so sorry, honey. You're only going to have one pony now. And she screams. On, yeah, she doesn't even scream. They just hold on her face and she, she has this look of just aghast horror. Oh, that's right. You're right. <laughs> and that's right, because then Fiddleford plans to buy the mansion. Great. Local hero Stanley Pines has fully recovered his memory and plans to throw a party for Dipper and Mabel's 13th birthday and their final day in town. Which means, um, assumingly, that all happened within like a day or two. Yeah. Uh, way too which, fast for his entire memory to get back i'll bet fiddleford's out here like wow you lucky completely had my life taken away from me but no yeah just get your memory back in two days whatever it's fine you know what fiddleford used that memory gun on himself a lot and it didn't actually destroy everything well no but that's because he was only taking out mem like moments he didn't like fully erase his brain okay you're right that is true he just uh, so, abused, abused the heck out of it. You're right. Uh, so other than that, everything's back to normal. And they send it back to Toby Determined, or rather Bodacious T with sports. So he gets they, to stay himself. Yeah. And they do. Somebody, Wendy, you said that no one's going to call you that. Well, wait, they did call him that. So what do you, what now? That's true. He gets to live the rest of his life as Bodacious T. That's yeah. actually a nice little closure moment. Best arc. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all the townsfolk are now at the Mystery Shack helping to throw Dipper and Mabel their party. Mayor Tyler says it's the least they can do after all the Pines family has done for this town, which is kind of awesome considering how well, hated thought, they were. I thought you were going to say, which is like essentially put it at near catastrophic levels of danger and pretty much routinely traumatize all of the townsfolk. Also true. Uh, Gideon says thanks to them he learned to open his heart to kindness and we do get a picture uh, a little montage of him being little Gideon re regular old kid uh, and uh, 
It's good. He sticks his prison mates on a bully, which is fun. I agree. I like that. Seuss tells Dipper and Mabel to make a wish, uh, but Dipper says, you know what? I think I have everything I want. I don't want to make a wish, which is cool. I think that's uh, cool. Good perspective. Especially because there was a time in the season where he would have just wished for Wendy's love, and he yeah. did not. He could have gone for an Xbox. That would have been totally legit. He's still 13, but whatever. True. Mabel's one wish would be to shrink everyone and bring them home in her pocket. But that seems Actually, impossible. Then again, I guess we did see at the end of this that his parents are from Piedmont. And I don't know if you know about Piedmont, but if they live there, he probably already has an Xbox, along with every other game system known to man. Oh, interesting. Piedmont oh. is a... Yeah, wait a minute, hold on. They're I do rich. know Piedmont. Yeah, they're rich. What are they talking mm. about getting mad at Pacifica? Maybe they're, they're not that rich. They're Northern California family rich. That's super hmm. rich. You know, Pied Piedmont is a rich place, man. It's a, I just remember like going Silicon to, Valley rich. Just remember going to the food cart station there with you. With me? I thought so. Piedmont's in Northern I, California. Oh, there's a Piedmont here in Oregon too. Is there? Yeah, but I didn't know it was a city because it's just the name of a food truck station. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of somewhere else. Oh, no. Pied Piedmont, California. That's like where CalArts is. Oh, hmm. okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. They are in California because they don't actually live in Oregon. All right. Uh, anyway, that tangent has been brought to you by Alec and Lou, who have been working on this podcast for a very long time and going delirious. So to thanks, everybody. There you go. You're looking something up, aren't you? CalArts is in Santa Clarita, but it's very close to Piedmont. Fair enough. Uh, so... After all this, oh yeah, Mabel says, oh, my wish would be to shrink everybody and bring them home in, her, in my pocket. Uh, but since that's probably impossible, Ford is like, eh, maybe. Uh, she's like, probably impossible. Uh, my one wish is actually to have everybody sign my scrapbook. Uh, so that's, I, again, on brand for Mabel. Um, and then she destroys yeah. the memory gun forever, which is a wise move, I think. Yeah, I think a long time coming. Uh, Wendy officially declares them teenagers, says, welcome to Ac acne and angst forever. And uh, we see Yay. that Pacifica is kind of friends with them now because she sort of asks them to adorably open their presents. And we're like, you know what? I guess that's the end of your arc. No, I think Pacifica is great. I, I think Pacifica ends up being a really good character. We, we need agree. more rich children to realize that their parents are evil and to have a better arc in their lives. Yeah, I mean, and she still hasn't like fully recovered, uh, you know, because the pony thing bothers her. But she she learned <laughs> a lot. Fair. Fair. Um, so Ford tells Stanley he needs to talk to him. Weird Mageddon has been contained, but he is detecting some new anomalies near the Arctic Ocean. Thinks he might be too old to investigate it alone. And uh, Stan says, are you saying you need someone to sail around the world with for the adventure of a lifetime? And he is so down. Uh, I'd be down I, too. Let's go. I do, I do love this. Again, I think it could have hit even if his memory was gone, but yeah. um, if not, better. Uh, but I still do love it. I'm glad that we get this resolution. Uh, yeah, I think, it, I think they did well. I agree. Uh, Ford asks, what are you going to do with the mystery shack? And Stan feels like, you know, maybe this town's had enough mystery. So he announces to the town, shack's going to close down for good. And then one of my favorite character closure moments yeah. Seuss, Seuss bursts in. He's like, you shut down your mouth for good. And he says, yeah. this shack is the most magical place on earth. Again, possible Disney World reference. <laughs> and he follows it with the attractions are fake, but dreams aren't fake. 
you shut down the shack and you shut down our dreams. At least my dreams. And I don't know. This actually was relatable to me. Genuinely how I feel about Disney. It's like, I get that Disney World is not like a real place and characters are not real. Like, I'm not delusional. But it does give you like a sense of escapism that's really genuine for a lot of people. So I feel like it's not fair to make fun of people too hard for that. And this place means everything to Seuss. He's so genuine. And we see Stan say, well, sorry, Seuss, there wouldn't be anyone to run it. Or there wouldn't be if I hadn't just found the perfect replacement. And he puts his fez on Seuss's hat and announces that Mystery Shack is under new management. Which I, I will say, if any reason justifies Stan having his memory, it's that moment. Yeah, I agree. Because that actually is the only way that the Gravity Falls shack itself could have had... Oh, wait a minute. Technically, technically it wasn't even his to give away. Yeah, I mean, if you really wanted it, that. I think that you could have had it where Stan left a note or something that was like, Seuss, the mystery shack is yours or something. Yeah, um, you, you, you could have found a way. I agree. There would have been a way. I mean, I don't know if it would have hit as hard. Th this hit really well. Like, yeah, I this loved did it. hit really well. I agree. And uh, Seuss's grandma moves in immediately. Which was very um, funny. Also good. Like, but literally yeah, immediately. Like, the moving truck is in the back and is already putting furniture in as, as soon as it's announced. <laughs> 100%. We get one last montage of the inside of the shack with Dipper and Mabel's stuff moved out. And then we see them wait at the bus stop. Mabel says goodbye to Grenda and Candy. She says summer is over. It's time to grow up. But she thanks them for being her people and they will always be her best friends. Good closure on that. Excellent. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Mabel thinks, or Mabel thanks Stan for wearing the goodbye sweater that she knitted him, uh, which he is. It's very adorable. Very cute. Uh, Wendy tells Dipper, hey, you mean a lot to me, man. And she trades hats with him and hands him a letter telling him to read it the next time he misses Gravity Falls. Did you hate this? Um, no, I thought that was all right. Okay. I think that it was a little uncool that she gave him a hat, but then she also kind of unconsensually stole his. <laughs> that's true honestly i feel like the way she delivered it it almost made it sound like hey i secretly have a crush on you and you when you open that letter you're gonna find that out oh my god you're right that that does have that kind of a vibe doesn't it like hey, just like, a little i open this when you miss me wink like and then he opens it later and it's not that <laughs> how funny would it be how it, it, it's just a letter with everybody's signatures or from from the town right yeah um and like little cute little notes well how funny would it be if he looked at it and then he looks like visually disappointed that would have been more in character because <laughs> that would have been so funny dude like oh i was really hoping this was a love note from wendy but i mean i guess that's <laughs> sweet too yeah you can't fool me into thinking that he was happy to get that letter don't give me yeah. that, that smile animators yeah totally dude because <laughs> oh man my heart's crushed again like, I do believe that he's moved on, but there's no way that part of him was not wondering. So, 100%. Uh, the bus arrives, and Mabel has to say goodbye to Waddles, too, because her mom and dad won't let her bring a pig back to California. This is weirdly uh, one of the saddest parts of the finale. <laughs> yeah, so she starts crying, and Waddles is, like, tugging at her. Grunkle it's Stando. so sad! They really I went know. hard. I was literally watching this, like, no, Waddles! animals don't understand this isn't fair and stan who mabel just loves so much and admires so much has one last hero moment for her which again it does it is great um he says if i had to live with a pig in my house so do your parents so he him and ford together 
like basically force the bus driver to let Waddles aboard, yeah. even though there's no pets allowed. Stan holds up brass knuckles and Ford holds up a literal gun. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yep, no problem. I love pigs. They can go yeah, on. No problem. This is fine. Front seat. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Uh, so then Stan goes back to them, Dipper and Mabel, and says, hey, you knuckleheads were nothing but a nuisance, and I'm glad to get rid of you. They say they'll miss him, too. And then they head into the unknown. Cute. Well done. It is. Good we job, get a voiceover so. from Dipper. And I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. I, I took the whole thing because I think it's nice. If you've ever been to the Pacific Northwest, you've probably seen a bumper sticker for a place called Gravity Falls. It's not I on probably, any maps. I probably haven't, actually. Sorry to interject. Yeah, maybe it's time to get one. That way we can make the uh, make, yeah, it make it true. for other people. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, it's not on any maps, and most people have never heard of it. Some think it's a myth. But if you're curious, don't wait. Take a trip. Find it. It's out there in the woods, waiting. And during this montage, we see a few things. We see McGucket having moved into the Northwest Mansion. We see Seuss take over the mystery shack and his girlfriend Mallory, who formerly they were uh, dating virtually uh, long distance. She's at his side uh, as the clerk for the mystery shack. Oh, that's right. Uh, so one little piece of closure there too. God, Seuss gets a really great ending. Seuss does um, get a great ending. Ford and Stan fight a giant squid on the Stan of War 2. And Dipper reads the letter from Wendy, which says, see you next summer with signatures from a bunch of their friends. And he inorganically smiles. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I did take note of the signatures because I think it's interesting who decided to sign their letter. It I is... only saw Gideon. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he was there along with Sheriff Blubbs, Deputy Durlin, uh, Lazy Susan, Wendy's friends, Thompson, Nate, Lee, and Robbie. Tamri did not sign it for some reason. Whoa. Uh, so, man, what, what happened, Tamri? I guess she never really showed interest in the friendship like the rest of them did. It's because it wasn't on a phone. She doesn't know how to use a pencil. That's true. <laughs> I wonder if her and Robbie are still dating. We never really got any kind of uh, closure there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stan, Ford, Seuss, Wendy, Pacifica, and Shmebulok, the one creature to sign it for some reason. Let's too. go. I wish the Manitars had signed it. That would have been good because they had a whole arc together. Yeah. Uh, end credit notes. We see Dipper clone, the Dipper clones. Sorry, I, I, I rushed right into that. Let me explain. So the end credit is kind of like a really cute, homage to a summer vacation scrapbook where they're sort of going through summer memories. Most of it is not relevant to the plot whatsoever. Yeah. Um, it's just little moments, but I wanted to note that there were a couple things interesting. And yeah. one of those things was the Dipper clones three and four who survived the only ones that we did not see get like uh, pulverized. Um, they are playing instruments by a campfire. So we canonically confirm that they are still alive and just out there somewhere. That's that's kind of crazy i know it's kind of fun i like that it's in there uh, and i think we kind of got that in journal three too they alluded to it um grenda kisses marius uh her boyfriend on a yacht yeah, so that's the one i that. wrote down and uh did you get anything else out of uh other than those two things those were the only plot relevant really. stuff i saw they were all just cute scenes of everyone doing their thing Cool. We see a creepy real-life image of Bill Cipher, uh, or some kind of Bill Cipher figure laying on the ground right at the very end before the thing ends, which I thought was very weird and very fun. Wait, what? 
Yeah, just for like a last little mystery. They just have it's like there for like a second or two. Oh, like a like a frame? Yeah, like a frame. And it's just like a little bit blurry and it looks like it's uh, an actual statue that was built to film that scene. Wait a minute. I got to see if that's Oh, that's right. And then yeah, yeah, I remember. There remember that that was an actual um mystery. That was actually hidden in Oregon somewhere for a while. Oh, I did not know this. Shoot. Yeah, you could you could go. It might still be there actually. There is a lot of extra lore uh, in the surrounding Gravity Falls world that I wish that I was a little bit more privy to. Um, I am still interested at some point about doing a little conspirapod episode with some of the conspiracy theories and the different things that happened after the show. Um, so, you know, chance that we revisit that eventually. But that's the finale, dude. Yeah, that was it. Also, I just sent you a link to something called Season 2 Special Between the Pines, which is uh, where Alex Hirsch goes over uh, the like other details in the show that we might have missed. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, that would be fun to talk about, too, at some point. Yeah, we can maybe watch it and just maybe take some notes for, the, for our, our, our recap, since he's kind of doing a recap in this video. Yeah, so let me just uh, use this opportunity to tell everybody... Obviously, um, we've, we've alluded to it. The uh, Gravity Bros podcast is going to sort of informally end when we get past the finale. Um, and we'll talk more about this next week. But we are leaving the door open to drop a podcast in your feed every now and then if we find something interesting. Because um, we're going to be doing the Expedition Cartoon podcast every other week. And my thinking is, on off weeks, if we have something, to, something fun to talk about, we'll do a podcast in that feed, which could be all kinds of animation related things. Yeah. Um, but once in a while, that idea could be, oh, we want to just do a Gravity Bros thing and it might end up in the Gravity Bros feed instead. So uh, just keep an eye out for that because I am interested in resolving some of these other things. Uh, I, I don't want to promise it because I I want to make sure that we grow that, uh, that other podcast and do it effectively. But um, it is worth my time to revisit some of this stuff. So keep an eye yes, out. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's talk about character points for this episode. Yes. And what do you think about, because it was a double episode doing a double points where we do a four, three, two, and a one. I'm down for that. That okay. works for me. Uh, I, I didn't prepare for that though. So I need to think of my, of what I do in that case. Okay. I will start. And I am going to say this with the caveat. I would love for Dipper and Mabel's points to balance out for us, for each other, because I didn't find one of them stronger than the other, assuming That's that you're fair. giving points to either one of them. Uh, um, I was going to give one to Dipper or Mabel, and if you gave one to Dipper or Mabel, I was just going to do the opposite. Um, well, I was probably, my first thought is giving points to Bill, truth be told. Okay, that's fair. Um, because, uh, and then actually the next one I was going to give was going to be to Stan. Uh, because Stan was the one who actually decided to take the risk and accept consequences, even though he didn't end up having to face them. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of appreciated that he was ultimately the one who decided, like, I'm I'm willing to sacrifice everything for this. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and I think that's really cool. He he was never really the one who like messed. Like, did he kind of derail their their prophecy thing for a second? Yeah. But, like, other than that, he honestly was, 
he was a pretty good caretaker for the two of the kids the whole time with an asterisk. <laughs> Same takeaway, but where are you putting McGucket? Because he has my four points. Does he? He does. He's the hero of the episode. He built the Shack bot. And he basically he got the mansion at the end. I'm telling you, like McGucket is the actual underrated hero of the whole thing. He deserves points. I I wouldn't give him four. I, I was thinking about giving him points too. But so I was thinking of giving Bill four because he's the actual hero of the story. Uh, and then I was going to probably give Stan three because I think Stan actually has the most like humanity that ties everything from the show throughout together all the way to the mm -hmm. end. Um, and then I guess with your logic, I was going to give like the kids the next two points, but like, I I'm not really one for protagonists. I, I think I wasn't thinking about giving Mabel and Dipper stuff, not because I thought that they're bad characters or anything, but just because I prefer to see other characters shine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking about giving Frilford points. I was probably just going to give him one though. Okay. I mean, what do you think of giving him two and then giving Dipper or Mabel one? And then we balance the scale that way. No, I'll probably give him one. Well, cause okay. I, I don't think I'm going to give Dipper, Dipper or Mabel points. Ah, all right. That means I'm going to have to pick between one or the other though. Because in all honesty, like the finale wasn't really that much about them. It really did focus on for the four the you know the grunkles much more in terms of their emotional development we kind of already have all of our closure for uh mabel and dipper well do you feel like ford is the two points for you then nah because he kind of he kind of messes everything up yeah it's kind of all his fault <laughs> it's kind of it's all his fault even that petty grammar thing he did like he could he could have also not been petty like i know we were making fun of stan for it but Ford also could have not been a dick in that moment. You know what I mean? Oh, you know what? Actually, my one point is not going to go to Dipper or Mabel either. It's going to go to Seuss. Yeah, I'll give I'll give Seuss too. I'm, okay. I'm here for that. Okay, I think that makes sense because not only did he have a great ending, but he was the guy who taught Animate a McGucket to make yeah. the whole thing happen. And you guys I, I, that. I do have to give him credit. Like anybody who is going to... The real hero of life is someone who introduces your friends to anime. <laughs> because like i'm just being honest like my friend cameron like my friend jacob shout out to jacob bookbinder he he first got me into uh watching full metal alchemist brotherhood and it changed my life it was really really incredible and then cameron is my friend who introduced me to like so many anime i've seen so many great anime shows and films now um and uh like i it actually is life-changing like anime the art form is just incredible and the amount of complex immaculate storytelling that that goes on in anime just so vastly outbeats any other storytelling i've seen on television that uh yeah, yeah i think seuss seuss deserves those points <laughs> you've helped get me into anime more um and i i i agree honestly um yeah I, nothing comes when it comes to tv i don't even watch regular tv anymore because i think most tv sucks compared to anime because anime sure. are able to create such incredible character dynamics with complex stories. And, like, I just don't see any, like, regular TV in the West ever do anything like that. Cartoons or uh, live action. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's reasonable. Um, I It has made me, like, appreciate animation in a new way. It's so easy to just, like let yourself get fully involved and uh oh, yeah just be so incredibly invested so and there's so um, much to see there's like 20 subgenres in anime 
there's isekai and if you don't like one kind of anime you like some like if you don't like shonen if you don't like the one pieces and the narutos and stuff like that you know you've got like the the more serious anime like you know death note or parasite or whatever you know like little harder core ones if you want to get into that there's slice of life anime there's just there's something for everybody it's it's incredible yeah. you'll find something and you know then that's how you find more and it, it's cool yeah uh, i i should clarify so i gave four to mcgucket i gave three to stan as well uh, i think yeah. you know regardless of how we felt about some of the ending he did put himself on the line for that one grand amazing moment yeah. um I did give two to Bill because the episode wouldn't have been what it was without yeah. him and that awesome imagery. Let's and go. Then, uh, and then the one to Seuss. So uh, let's talk about the cryptograms uh, that we get in this episode. So we have yeah. a few things that end up popping up in different places. Um, one of those is Seuss later forced McGucket to watch all 900 hours of Neon Crisis Mechabot Boy revelations. Neon Genesis and the Evangelion. Let's go. <laughs> So literally directly what we were talking about just now. <laughs> Best character. That, you know, that shows that Seuss really cares about Fiddleford. I'm just saying. True. Uh, we see Shaktron show up somewhere. Um, I guess, oh, that's interesting. That cryptogram is not present in the full... Uh, or... Oh, actually, no. This is the one good thing that the first episode did. By, by splitting it in two, that end credit cryptogram that got added was the anime one. So when the finale was no just, yep, when the finale was a 45 minute episode, that was not in there. But then when they split it in half to add an end credit cipher, it was the uh, Mechabot uh, one that actually got in there. That's so funny. Wow. All right. I'll give it credit for that. <laughs> Uh, we have one that says, 10 symbols placed around a wheel. Hand in hand, they'll bond the seal. But break the chain and pay the cost. The prophecy will all be lost. Wow. So it didn't matter. A little more story there, so I guess So they were not. prophesized to fail. That well, means they... that even if they hadn't gotten an argument, some external thing would have gotten them to, to, to break their hands. It, it really said... didn't matter. It said they might fail. Wow. Uh, we have one. Hidden deep within the woods, a buried treasure awaits. Oh, that's that, interesting. That's 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 where that's the the Bill Cipher statue that they saw at the end. Oh. There was a scavenger hunt where you could go look for it and a bunch of people took selfies with it. I thought you knew oh, about that. I felt like we talked no. about it. Or if we did, I'd forgotten. But you're right, this was part of the cipher hunt, maybe. Okay. Oh, man. Okay, sorry. Actually, that was a key phrase for another cipher that read, secrets lost and statues found beyond the rusty gates. Um, so, I don't know. All of that's complicated to me. I'm confused. And that was that was another clue. Beyond the rusty gates was where you would find the, the statue in Oregon. Okay, you, interesting. You can find pictures of people who found it online. That is so cool. That's freaking amazing. Right? Um, all right. Then we have one that simply reads... Goodbye, Gravity Falls, at the credits of the uh, second half of the episode. Aw. The keyword axolotl can be seen on the doorframe yep. leading to the living room as the pines uh, lead Stan into the ruined shack after Bill's defeat. Um, so axolotl that's like God, I guess. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Like, the axolotl stuff, Alex Hirsch would tease a lot, and it almost made a lot of people feel like 
maybe Gravity Falls could continue or Axolotl was greater than Bill and there was more story to be told. So, you know, know. It, it, it could continue, but I, I, I hope it doesn't, you know, I, I, I'm so jaded with all of these IPs just trying to like keep stuff going on and on and on and on and ruining it. Like, wow. Remember when Star Wars was great. Remember when Lord of the Rings was great. Remember when all of these art projects used to just be perfect. And now they've got a bunch of stains behind them like like indiana jones too wow these are all disney products what am i thinking oh no lord of the rings isn't yet no it's not disney disney didn't buy lord of the rings nope nice i know that series is on amazon but even that like i feel like the hobbit is where they got carried away having one hobbit movie was a great idea but then they decided to split it into three for money yeah and that caused a problem yeah. um and then yeah i guess the prime series is okay even so I uh, I see what you mean. Like it's Marvel nice to sometimes, too, like Marvel should have just ended after that huge climax. You know what I mean? It's only yeah. been or, bad since since then. Or there's been like or a reset. Yeah, I mean I understand why they want to keep going, but nah, money. Yeah, that's why. Just money. That's and you know that's a problem, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I liked Marvel. I still like Marvel, but I have not been, I've not been as uh, invested as I was before. And I'm not the only one who feels this way. I think that a lot yeah, of people who huge amounts of people, it's too much to keep up with. Well, now it's not even good. So it's not even worth it. <laughs> That's the problem is that, you know, when you start to hear, Oh, this thing wasn't that good. You start to be like, Oh, maybe I'll skip that. But then if you skip it, you feel like you're missing important context. And I think that's slippery. Yeah, they just need to they need to wrap that up. Into the Spider-Verse is good. And it had nothing to do with the big MCU. I could see uh Gravity Falls project still being good as long as they didn't expand it too far and they were really smart about how they did it. Um see but... Fiona and Cake just got renewed for season two. And you know, like I did the reaction series and a bunch of people in the comments are like, yay, we're getting season two. I'm like, is that yay? Are we just about to get the declining quality of one of the something that we've cherished and loved for such a long time to where it's so confusing and convoluted that no one cares about it anymore? Is oh, that no. really what we want? Is that really what we want? That's what Might I'm afraid of. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the last cipher reads, <laughs> faded, faded pictures bleached by sun. The tales told, the summer's done. In memories, the pines still play on a sunny summer's day. Cute. So, we love the ciphers. That was, it was really fun to keep track of those as the uh, episodes went by. Um, do you have anything you want to add to Journal 4 this episode? You know, I was trying to think about something that specific that we could do. And, and the problem is we weren't introduced to any new concepts in this one. Yeah, I know. Um, so I, I just can't think of anything. But I know that like, there's got to be something. We saw, like, every creature, you know? Chimeras. We ever talk about chimeras? Yeah. Uh, no, no. I mean, no, we haven't. But chimeras are, like, more mythology than cryptids. I feel like that's a hard one. Are they? I guess that's fair. Let me ask this. Did we ever talk about the Bermuda Triangle? Oh, my God. That's perfect. I don't. I don't know if we did. So, it's not really a cryptid. I'm sure we didn't because it's not a cryptid. I found the list of the stuff that we did on the first season and I realized that we accidentally talked about dream meaning twice. Uh, dream, dream what? Like the meaning of dreams twice. 
because we brought it back for season two recently. And I think that uh, maybe there's funny. one or two others that we accidentally talked about again, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but it looks like we at least didn't talk Bermuda Triangle in season two. So let's get into that because it's a triangle. That's fair. So do you Everybody, want to explain what that is to people who don't know? It's Bill Cipher in Bermuda. That's what it is. <laughs> no, He's taking uh, a vacation. Uh, there's like, there's like three islands which any three islands make a triangle, fun fact. But uh, these ones make a special triangle that uh, apparently, you know, a bunch of ships would disappear when they flew over it. Um, I feel like the the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle has actually been very debunked. Mm-hmm. Um, because now that we have such, like, great access to, like, aviation technology, there are planes that fly through that route, like, all the time. And nothing happens. Yeah, and even when it happened back then, which it did happen, you know, there were planes that mysteriously kind of got lost in that area without the technology yeah. for us to tell us what was happening. Um, but I I feel like most scientists are going to tell you that it was pretty explainable. Uh, I don't remember exactly all of the history behind it, honestly. And I'm if try- there was... I'm trying to look up some stuff. If there was something to it, I think that the weather conditions of that specific area would make a lot of sense as to why maybe that spot had a higher than average disappearance rate. Um, It's fun to think that maybe they disappeared other than like crashing into the water, that maybe something else happened. And there's a great Twilight Zone episode where a plane gets lost in a Bermuda Triangle type area and then ends up in the future. Um, So the idea of it is very fun. I don't think it's impossible that there could be a mysterious area where it's likelier for mysterious things to happen. I just don't know if that is the Bermuda Triangle specifically. Whoa. Apparently Flight 19 was one of the things that disappeared in uh, 1945. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a group of five U.S. Navy torpedo bombers on a training mission. And apparently... Yes. Oh, wait a minute. This is this was written by a fiction author, so I don't know. But apparently they wrote that the flight leader had been heard saying, we cannot be sure of any direction. Everything is wrong. Strange. The ocean doesn't look as it should. Ugh. Yeah. That's awesome. I, yeah, I'm going to probably call fiction on that. But if that's real, ooh, chilling. Yeah, I know, right? There there have been a bunch of disappearances that, were, that all took place. Looks like they all took place in the 40s. And then there maybe were like a couple that took place later. Listen, I'm not going to rule it out that that specific time period, there could have been something weird going on that is no longer there. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. There were a weird amount of disappearances in that area that were not happening in other places. Like, that's a fact. Um, Oh, okay. I will say that the Flight 19 was actually five separate torpedo bombers that all disappeared on the same training flight. And that's pretty weird. That is extremely weird. Um, Huh. Dang. Okay, you're actually giving me the chills. I'm rethinking how I feel about this one. Wow, and apparently one of the search and rescue craft deployed to look for them also disappeared. So that's the weird thing is, right, that when it comes to war stuff, there's a lot of countries experimenting with some really weird stuff that may not necessarily be alien activity. Uh, because I think a lot of people go to aliens when they think of weird stuff like that, but it could just be government influence. Like, 
there could be reasons that the government doesn't want to explain what happened to these things. Again, it could have just been like a terrible weather instance where it was almost impossible for anybody to make it out of that zone. Um, you know, there's a lot of different possible explanations, but it's spooky. It's really spooky. And it makes you think that something was going on. Now, the question of what it is, I think, is what is potentially the most interesting discussion. Could it have been aliens? Could it have been, uh, you know, government influence? Or could it have been weather? And I think you know, one of those three things makes the most sense, but you never know. I gotta be honest, I feel like it's most likely that they all just crashed because of bad weather conditions. Yeah, I think that would make a lot of sense. Because, like, the fact that they all happened within this, like, weird small time period and then it never happened again, I think partially is also because of the technology that was being used at the time. Yeah, yeah. Apparently there were like there were like vapor explosions that would happen under certain weather conditions. Uh and uh I, I could I, I don't know. I feel like for the for it to be so long in between this that is a huge part of the ocean and a giant section right outside of Florida. Now granted, if it does exist, I blame Florida. I'm just throwing that out there immediately. Agreed. Um, but nah, I'm gonna rate this one like a two. Okay. I mean, I'll give it a four that something mysterious was happening. Yeah, I think I'll give it a two. I, I'd be very weather. surprised. I, yeah, yeah I'd I be, just be cool. Couldn't rule it out. Um, okay. Well, everybody, I think that this is a good way to close it out for now, but the true finale for us is coming next week, and then we'll talk about the future. Uh, thank you so, so much for everybody who stayed with us through this journey, whether you were watching the show alongside or you just wanted to re-listen about your favorite episodes. Uh, we've enjoyed doing it. And uh, we really hope that you follow us along to our other project, which I will also talk more about next week. So this podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. Uh, you can find stuff there. You can find Lou and I watching Just, uh, Just a Bros Cartoon Theater on YouTube. You can follow us on social media. You can find the links to everything in the description, including our Discord, where you can chat about this show or anything else. And... Uh, Look, at this point, if you want to leave five-star iTunes reviews, whatever. Show's about over. Thanks to Tessa Scarborough for our cover art. We'll see y'all next week. Happy Thanks, everyone. Week.